Our call to worship this morning comes from the book of Psalms, in Psalm number 18, where the psalmist writes this, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Amen. What a great few verses to begin our morning service. And with those in our minds, let's take our hymn books and let's return praise to our great God. Let's turn to hymn number 524. Hymn 524, O God, my strength and fortitude, of force I must love thee. Thou art my castle and defense in my necessity. Let's stand and let's raise our voices together singing hymn 524. Please remain standing and turn back to him 5454 sorry 454 my faith looks up to thee thou lamb of calvary savior divine now hear me while i pray take all my guilt away oh let me from this day be holy line thine let's raise our voices again in singing hymn 454 
And please be seated. Having sung together, now let us come and let us pray to our great God. Let's pray. Our loving, eternal, heavenly Father, we come into your holy presence on this your day. And we come with hearts of gratitude, hearts of love, hearts of joy, because of who you are. Even on this, the last day of a calendar year, we can think upon all the many times that you have sustained and helped us. And, O Lord, it's with thankful hearts that we come into your throne room this very hour. You know us, O Lord. You know our shortcomings. And yet you indeed are a faithful and a merciful God. We come this morning in no merit of our own, only that of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come humbly and reverently to your throne because of who you are, our great and our glorious God. The God indeed who is holy, holy, holy. The God who is full of splendor and majesty. And this morning we come in awe and in adoration of who you are. And yet we're reminded of just who we are. Sinful. People who this even this very day have sinned against others, sinned against you, in our thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds. Lord, surely these things are heavy upon us. We indeed are not what we should be. Even this past year, we have not grown like we ought. We have not read your word as we should have. We have not cried unto you like you have commanded us to. Lord, at times we have tried to live this Christian life standing on our own two feet. And yet that what we've sung this morning, we are reminded that you are our rock, that you are our strong tower, that you and you alone are the one that we can depend upon. This morning we ask, O oh Lord, that you would forgive us at times for our pride, for our arrogance, for our thinking that we are equal with you. Lord, remind us just who we are. We indeed are creatures of the dust. And yet this morning... For some of us in this room, we are clothed in that righteousness of Christ. We are, we are the most richest people in all of the world because of him. And so this morning we come and we confess our sins to you, our great God. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would forgive us. Lord, in these days... 
Help us to see our sins for what it truly is. The Lord, remind us, as your word instructs us, that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us. Lord, even this morning when we thought of assurance and at times we wonder, remind us of Christ. Remind us of that hell where he bled and he died for us. Let us remember that tomb where his body was laid. But then remind us, O Lord, of that great resurrection, that hope, that assurance that indeed he did pay the price. And even as we think of those things, O Lord, may it, may it flourish us up. May it inflame us once again to live as we should. Even when we're tempted to sin, O Lord, may we remember of that sacrifice, that body that was marred and broken on our behalf. Lord, in these days, remind us of Christ. Forgive us, as I've said, for times when we do things on our own. Lord, may it be that for those of us who are clothed in his righteousness, that we would be leaning heavily upon him. And that our assurance would be found in him and in him alone. Lord, this morning we come with thankful hearts. 2023, O Lord, has been a year of trials and tribulations for many in our congregation. And yet we look out and we see perseverance of the saints. We see those who have been comforted by you those who have been upheld by you, those who have even grown. And, O Lord, we come with thankful hearts. We ask, O Lord, that you would continue to sustain us and help us. Even as a body here in Placerville, even for the year that will come in 2024 with many unknowns and many uncertainties, O Lord, May we as members and as believers in Christ lean heavily upon you, knowing that you are in control of all things and that you are a God who does all things well. Lord, we even rejoice of this past year and some of our young people coming to saving faith in Christ. We ask, O Lord, that you would continue to help and sustain them in their Christian walk. And may it be, O Lord, even as we perhaps sit today and reflect, that we would see your hand on everything, that we would see that you have sustained and helped us thus far. And yet, O Lord, we come needy, knowing that we need your presence today, tomorrow, and the years to come until in your time you remove us from this scene. Lord, we ask that you would help us to have our eyes fixed upon you, even in this next calendar year. May it be that we would be in your word and that we would be men and women of prayer. May it even be that our, our corporate prayer meeting, O Lord, would increase, that as a body we would be known as a praying people. 
Lord, stir our hearts up to these things. Revive us again in these. And as we think of our body, we pray for those in our congregation who need our prayers. Lord, we began 2023 praying for Charlotte in the womb. And this morning, we pray for her now in that ICU ward. A year that we were not knowing would happen. A year of uncertainty. And yet we see your hand of provision and protection upon this little one. And indeed we can say that you are a good God. Lord, even in those dark and difficult days, when perhaps we did not know if her life would be sustained, you did and you protected her. And so we cry on to you, O Lord, that you would continue to do so. We ask that you would protect that little one that you would continue to help her to grow and to develop even more. And we give you praise even for this last week of the breathing tube being removed and all of the many small steps that are being taken forward. Lord, we praise you for these. But we know, Lord, that as, as it were, the harder days are yet on the horizon. And so we pray that you would provide a heart transplant for her soon. We ask that you would help the doctors and nurses even as they do that operation in days to come and even be preparing them now and, and help and equip them. Lord, you indeed are a good God. and We know that you have provided thus far and so we ask that you would protect this little one. Be with her parents. Lord, help Mark and Nicole in these days and even the frailness of body with sickness and illness, O oh Lord, we pray that you would bring them back to a measure of health and strength and give them that physical strength that they need in these days. But Lord, we pray for their souls. We know, O oh Lord, that they are leaning heavily upon you, even speaking with them and the encouragement they are to so many of their, their faith in you. We ask, O oh Lord, that that evil one would not whisper in their ear, but their hearts would be stirred up each and every day towards you. We pray for their walk. We ask that it would be close. We pray for their marriage, O Lord, that you would sustain and help them through that. And we pray, O Lord, for the children as well. We ask even as they perhaps even watch this morning that you would encourage them. May it be that you would sustain them and may it be even those words that we sung that you would be their fortress and their strong tower. Lord, what we pray for those, we pray for many others who deal with illness and sickness on a daily occurrence. Those who have ongoing health concerns that they deal with each and every day. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would draw near to them. Encourage them. Help them. Even at times when we wonder why. Lord, help us to lean heavily upon you. We pray even for those in our congregation on vacation at this time that you would protect and look after them, that you would give them a good time of respite, and even as they return home in a few days, that you would give them safe travel and mercies. Lord, we pray for those in our congregation who are carrying children in the womb. Lord, we rejoice for life. 
We rejoice that indeed soon, in a few months, O Lord, we will have more infants in this church and we, we praise you, the giver of life. And we ask, O Lord, for these little ones in the womb that you would continue to knit and to grow them. And in due time, O Lord, may it be that these babies would come forth healthy and well. We pray for the moms who carry them. Help them even through sickness and tiredness that you would enable and encourage them, O Lord. And for the husbands who draw alongside, may they too be a help and an aid to their wives in these days. Lord, we thank you for even the unity that we enjoy in this church and the friendship and the encouragement we are to one another. We pray even in 2024 that these things would increase and that we would love and care for one another just as you have for us. And, O Lord, as we come now to worship you, we pray that we would listen attentively to those things that are read here in a few moments. Even things that are common to us, may they come again with freshness. And may it be, O Lord, that we would raise our amens, that we would be encouraged through your word, and that that ground would be tilled up well as that seed is sown. Lord, encourage our hearts. Be near to us, each and individual. And may we give you all the praise and all the glory. For we ask it in and through your Son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to our consecutive readings to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. No, I'm not preaching on it this morning. This is actually our consecutive reading. We're going to be reading together verses 8 through verse 21. If you're able, please stand as we read God's word together. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Give careful attention. This is the word of God. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. 
And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Amen. Please be seated. Before we come to open up God's word this morning, let us come to him again in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence again and we ask, O oh Lord, that you would aid and help at this hour. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would send forth your spirit in abundance and that you would meet with us. We pray, O oh Lord, that as we come to listen to your word, that we would come with hearts that are prepared hearts that are willing to listen to what is said and hearts that will leave this place and do with it as you would will. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would be with both here and preacher alike, that you would even encourage our hearts this very hour. We pray, O oh Lord, that we would leave here just in awe and an adoration of who our great and our glorious God is. We pray even for many heads that are bowed that know you not. We ask, O Lord, that salvation would come to many this day. We pray, O Lord, that you would do that saving work. Perhaps in some that have sat here for many years. We ask, O Lord, that today you would save their souls. Be near to us now. Help us at the point of our need. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark in chapter 6. We're going to read together from verses 30 to 34. Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that had been done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place, and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and then they had no leisure even to eat. They went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep 
without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Amen. This is God's word. Often people have a faulty impression of just who God is. Some people see God as being so high and holy that he has no time for people like you and like me. Others see him, and I say this reverently, as a resembling, doting old grandfather who winks at sin and just kind of watches his creation with amusement to see what will happen next. God is a holy God. God is a living God. And God this morning if we are found in Christ, is our God. Yes, he is separate from sinners. He is untouched by our wickedness and he cannot look upon our sins. And our God most certainly does not wink at our sins and sit back as the universe might think doing its own thing. He is a God who is in control of all things and at all times. And our God is a God who cares. When studying this passage, there were many who did surveys. And they asked, who do people think God is? Many people, when they were asked that question to portray God, would say, well, God is a God of wrath and a God of judgment. And yes, he is. But he's also a God of love and a God of compassion and a God of intimacy. He is a God who cares for his people. As we close this calendar year, and perhaps you're wondering what Smurve going to bring as a year-end message, we preach consecutively through the Word of God, and these four verses have been such a tonic to my soul, even in this past week studying it, and I pray that it is for years. And what can we bring God's people as we close a calendar year and we look back and we see the many trials, the many difficulties, the many hard things that have come across our path. For some, there have been really tremendous days. There have been days of much goodness and joy and uplifting. But just like the clock ticks from side to side, there's always a balance between the two. And so what does a preacher bring to his people to encourage them as they look into 2024 and there's a big, massive question mark over the top of it? It's this. God 
is good. God is a God who cares. As one of your pastors looking over this last year, surely we can say that we have a good God. We're sitting here this morning, united together in Christ. There are those who would long to be here, and yet they are uplifted by God as well. We're reminded this morning again, through these four small verses that perhaps we would read and just want to get to the feeding of the 5,000 because it seems so cool. I remember as a young boy sitting hearing that story of the feeding of the 5,000 in awe and thinking, I want to go to the fishmonger and I want to go to the baker and I want to eat a lot of bread and fish. And yet we miss so much. And these four verses that we've just read this morning reminds us that God cares. One reason he cares is because he knows what we face in life. Why? Take yourself back one week. He came into this earth as a man, as a babe. We remembered his birth. God Almighty robed himself in human flesh and he lived among men. He died on a cross and he rose again for sinners. That's all of us in this room because we are sinful people. And while he was here, he endured more of his share of pain, of poverty, of suffering. He knows what it's like to do without He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be hated. He knows what it's like to suffer pain, what it's like to be hungry, thirsty, and alone. He knows what it is like to be hated. Jesus walked through this world and experienced what he did so for us. So that when our time of need would come, that he could sympathize with us. And that we could grasp that truth. This morning as we continue our study of Mark's gospel, we're confronted with four verses that are truly a wonderful portion of scripture. If we were being honest, we've read them so many times, but... Have we actually stopped to ponder what they mean? This verse tells us without a shadow of a doubt that indeed Jesus cares for us. This morning I want to point out two groups of people for whom indeed the Lord does care. The title, The Savior Who Cares, is such a precious truth to all of us this morning. And so as we open up these four verses, I do so under these two headings. He cares about laboring servants and he cares about lost sheep. He cares about laboring servants and he cares about lost sheep. The events of verse 30 take place right after the events of verse 13. If you were to go back there, 
They've been sent out and they cast out many demons and anointed them with oil, many who were sick and healed them. And then we have those parentheses, those brackets that Mark uses to bring in the death of John the Baptist. But here in verse 30, we take up those apostles again. Jesus sent these 12 disciples out to preach, to teach, and to heal. And their ministry had been an unqualified success. And they came back and they told the Lord all about their ministry. All about what they had taught in those surrounding villages. These men are excited about all that they have witnessed and all the doctrine that they've been able to teach. And you can imagine these men. Remember who they were. Remember some of their traits. I'm sure they were butting in at different places, trying to talk over one another, trying to get what they were coming across with. The, this verse, the apostles returning to Jesus and told them all that they had done and taught was indeed a time of great excitement and a great time of great joy in the lives of these men. The same goes for us. There is no greater thrill in life than to serve the Lord. To serve him and to serve his people. When you stop to consider where you came from and how God saved your soul. What an amazing thing. At the end of a year we tend to reflect and we tend to think. This morning I urge you, remember the day of your conversion. Remember that time when you were wallowing in your sin and he saved your soul. And then think of the work that you've been able to do in and, and perhaps some small or great way in his kingdom and what a blessing that is. A blessing at times too great to comprehend. The Lord saved us to serve him. We are here as God's people equipped for a special work. Yes, many in different ways. And yet we're called to serve our great God. It's a wonderful thing indeed to be busy for the Lord. That God even allows us to serve him as such a wonderful thing. And there are no small tasks in his kingdom. So I ask you this morning, how are you serving God? How are you serving the kingdom of God? As you ask that question, many will say, I've had no training. I don't know what to do. Look at the disciples. Think of who they were. They were sent out with very little training and limited knowledge, and yet they were sent out to do God's work. Don't wait until you know it all to do something for the Lord. The simple fact is that this side of eternity, we will not know it all. But God has given each of us talents. He's given us gifts to bless his kingdom with. For some of you, it's, it's meal prep. 
When I wrote this, I thought back of the year that's gone past. It's cooking meals in your homes for others who are struggling. It's looking after children so that others can even go on, on dates with husbands and wives. That they can go on different things and knowing that their children are cared for. It's coming alongside families and, and clearing trees and brush, gathering wood to keep them warm in the winter. For others, it's the way that you're able to write and encourage through texts and letters. For others, it's opening your home and having hospitality. For some, it's being that prayer warrior in the closet for those that maybe have no idea. Brothers and sisters, in these days we are to be about the work of the kingdom. Please never think to yourself, I'm only able to do this small thing. Can I encourage you to do whatever that might be? There is no size with God. There is only doing or not doing. And as you do it, do it to his glory and to his honor. May it be that as we serve and as we encourage one another in the work, that we would not do it for man's appraisal, but that we would do it to the glory and the honor of God. You see, when Jesus hears the reports and he sees and he hears all the things that these men have done. And he sees their enthusiasm. He gives some, as some commentator said, some strange advice. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. But Lord, we are on a roll. There are so many who we have taken the gospel to that we could go back to. There are many people who we need to go and help. And what does God, what does Christ say here? Come away and rest. The people were listening. The crowds were coming and it seemed like this was a perfect time to send these men out again and to preach and to heal and to increase even more. But yet Christ knew them. Christ knew that these were mere men. There are many reasons perhaps why the Lord does that, did this. You see, the physical stress of ministry is enormous. When the disciples returned to Jesus, they find him surrounded by crowds of needy people. The people were coming and going at such a frenzy that, that Jesus and his men didn't even have time to eat. Surely that constant stress would wear anyone out. And Christ knew his men. He knew these disciples and he knew that they needed to rest their bodies if they were going to be effective 
as they could be. So he takes and he, and he puts them in a boat. And they begin to sail to a desolate place. The same is true in our day. God did not design our bodies to go as hard as perhaps we would like them to go. He never intended us to run through this world with, in our day, a cell phone to our ears, a day planner in our hand, and a schedule so full of activity that no one could possibly get anything done. God expects us to take the times that our body needs at times to rest. Our days, our months, and our years have all come from him. The turn of the earth in one day is a day. That cycle around the moon is a month and around the sun is a year. God is a God of order. And God has given us this day. This day to come and to rest. Our Bible clearly tells us in Exodus 20 that man is to work six days and rest on the Sabbath. The day that he's given us indeed is that gift of grace and God knows that our bodies need this time of rest to set aside those physical labors. I'm not advocating here that tonight you all just stay at home in your pajamas and just don't do anything. That's not the rest I mean. But our bodies at times need rest from physical labor. Do a day of gardening. Or in my day, when I was a young boy, go and pick potatoes in a field. Nightmare. You'd wake up the next morning and you'd realize that you had muscles in your back that you never knew were there from bending over all day. We need the physical rest. But this day is not a day of spiritual rest. This is a day when as God's people we come to the means of grace. Yes, physically we are not working. But spiritually we are being lifted up. David Murray in his book Reset said that 45 minutes of hard preaching is equivalent in mental and physical stress to working eight hours. I think Jeff and I would agree to that. And anyone else who has preached mentally and physically standing here proclaiming the word can be a physical and mental, as it were, workout. If you want to know what to pray for your pastors, pray that their minds and their body would be able to cope. This might seem simple, and yet it's not. Our Lord Jesus took these men aside for rest. They were burning themselves out. Murray goes on in his book to talk about pastoral burnout. And it can happen. And as God's people, we need to be praying for those who lead not only in this church, but other men in other congregations who are faithful to the word of God. 
that as we do so, we would do it with all the might that God has given us. Because yes, we may have physical burnout. But something else here that one that Matthew Henry brought out, which was quite alarming even to my own heart, was that the disciples at this point were in danger of that great sin of pride. If these men had been sent right back out and they had seen the same or even greater results, there is a danger, as Henry says, that they might begin to think that they were something special. The truth was, they did nothing. Yes, they were the mouthpieces, but it was God's work. We must, as men and as leaders and as fathers, even in our homes, never come to the place where we think that this is about us. This is not Jeff's church. This is not Merv's church. This is God's church. And it's God who raises up leaders and brings down others and preachers, those who preach and even those who teach. When you preach what you might think is a great message, give him the glory. Sunday school teachers, when you think things go well in your class and the kids have sat attentively and listened, do not pat yourself on the back. Give the glory to God. If we're not real careful, we can fall into the trap of thinking that we are special. If we're not careful, we can become lifted up in pride and forget that anything good, anything good that comes from any of us comes from the hand of God. Isaiah 64 reminds us that the best that we can produce is trash. But if we yield to the Lord... If we give him the glory, he can use it in wonderful ways. He is the source of strength. He is the one that deserves all of the glory. At times it's hard at the back door. When you greet people and they shake your hand and they say, great sermon. How easy it is to begin to be puffed up in pride. I urge you, brothers and sisters, I urge you, church members, keep Jeff and I accountable to these things. That our heads would not get bigger. That our egos would not grow. But it would be God that would create the glory. And we begin to think that the success of our ministry the success of what we do is in our own strength and in our own ability, we are headed for a great fall. That isn't the preacher. It isn't the teacher or anyone else who wears a suit of flesh. Our blessings come from God and God alone. And it's him that deserves all the glory. 
And so if you struggle with these things, as so many of us do, who doesn't like to have a pat on the back? I'm not saying you never do it. But I'm saying be careful. Be careful. And remember to give all the glory to God. Because secondly, he takes care, he took care of his disciples. They were in that boat. They were heading away for some respite. They were heading away to get, as it were, re-energized. But secondly, we see the heart of Christ. Because in verses 33 to 34, we're going to learn about that he cares for the lost sheep. You see, Jesus and his men make their escape from the crowds, but they didn't go unnoticed. Verse 33 says, Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. The people saw them leaving. They knew who they were. They recognized them and... (laughs) As it were, they pulled up their tailcoat and they legged it. It was about four miles across the lake on a boat. And on a windless day, it would have taken quite a time to make that trip. The commentators say that it's about ten miles around the shore on the lake. And fast walkers would have made that trip quicker than the boat. These people were walking at some rate. They were clipping along. Why? Because they wanted to get to him. And that's what happened that day. When they got to the other side, it says when he got, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. There were thousands of people here. Because remember what happens right after this. But even in our day, we see the contrast between ourselves and Christ. Many people get angry if our plans of rest are interrupted by one person. Perhaps we're taking, as we call that, day to ourselves, and we're lounging around the house, and the door knocks. It's never a, oh, yippee, someone's at the door. It's a, who is it? What do they want? Many people would have seen the crowds, as it were, as an interruption and as a nuisance. Some people may have actually stayed in the boat and looked at each other and said, right, let's row harder somewhere else. Let's get rid of these people. But look what the Bible tells us. He sees the crowd, and he, that is Jesus, had compassion on them. When we look at a person in need, there are many different emotional responses that can happen to us. Perhaps at times we have apathy. We see the need, but we really don't care, and we move along. And there are so many in our world today like that. 
Perhaps we have sympathy for a moment. A slight feeling of, well, perhaps we could help them in some way, but maybe never actually coming through. And then there's the word that the Bible uses here of Christ. Compassion. That means, as it were, to be moved inwardly. To yearn with a tender mercy. To have affection, to have pity, and to have empathy on those that you look upon. It refers to the deepest possible feelings. The Bible tells us here that Christ had compassion. From the very bottom of his heart, he looked upon these people and he desired to help them. When Jesus saw the people, he was touched by their need. He was moved by a strong desire to meet their need. Christ here had compassion for the lost sheep. When Jesus looked at the people, he saw them as it were as a flock of sheep, as flock of sheep that were lost. He looked upon them as helpless lambs with no one to care about them. Oh, they had their religious leaders. They had those who they could call spiritual leaders. But those men did not care about the people. The Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees only cared about themselves. They only cared about people doing things their way. They wanted people to march to their tune, to obey their rules, and to keep lining their pockets so that they could live that lavish lifestyle. The book of Ezra condemns leadership like that. Those that, as it were, are tyrants. Those that only care about people doing things their way and not God's way. They only want people to march to their chin, to obey their rules, and to keep putting money in their pockets. When the Jewish religious leaders looked upon that same crowd, they only saw people that were there to make them exist, to serve them. But when the eyes of Christ looked upon them, When the great shepherd looked upon that crowd of people, he saw lost sheep in need of a shepherd. We've lost that image of what sheep are. Some have sheep in our congregation. Some have reared sheep for years. And speaking from experience, sheep are about the most dumbest animal on the planet. They have no sense of direction. They are also absolutely defenseless. As a young boy, I used to love watching the sheep herding shows. Kind of nerdy, but that's okay. And you would see a flock of 50 sheep. And they'd all be in the middle of a field. And there'd be a man with a staff. And he'd have this little thing in his mouth. 
and up popped a dog. And soon, by a sheer whistle, that dog would move and navigate those, those animals through gates and into pens. They're so defenseless that many times the shepherds would have to lie in amongst them. They'd have to, as it were, at times wallow in all of what goes on there to protect them. There's no animal as needy and as dependent on the human as the sheep. And when Jesus refers to the lost people as sheep, he's not insulting them. He's telling them that they have no sense of direction. That they are absolutely defenseless. But that he is the great shepherd. He is the one who can guide. He is the one who can defend. Sheep without a shepherd cannot find their way. Apart from the ministry of the great shepherd, no lost person would ever find their way to God. We are lost and hopeless. We are in need of a shepherd to come and to rescue us. And thank God that's what happened. He didn't lie in that manger for the rest of his life. He came as the one to save his people from their sins. The great shepherd went upon that cross. He bled and he died for you and me. He was buried in that tomb. And in three days he rose. And now he is in heaven seated at the right hand of God. But you see, sheep without a shepherd are also absolutely defenseless. Apart from the intervention of the heavenly shepherd, no lost person would ever be able to avoid the wrath of God and the fires of hell. He came to seek and to save those that are lost. You see, our religious activity, our good works and our good intentions, and even today, our New Year's resolutions will not get us to heaven. Being a good person is never enough to keep us from hell. The only antidote for the poison of sin is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your only hope. He is your only way of salvation. As believers, we were even thinking about it this morning of assurance. When that lost sheep, when that lost sheep comes and has salvation, they receive absolute security. This morning, if you're a believer in Christ, there is nothing that can snatch you from the hand of God, but do you believe it? He is the good shepherd. He is the one who can help us and the one who can defend us.
There are some in here this morning who have no time for these things. This morning you are open to every attack of the evil one. You are a sheep without a shepherd. And I say this as kind and as honestly as I can without coming to him. You will be lost for all of eternity. There are some who have sat in this room for a full calendar year. And God in his goodness has given you yet another Lord's Day. Will you spurn him again? Will you remain that sheep without a shepherd? Will you remain in your sin? This morning I urge you, come to the one with great compassion. Come to the one who can defend and protect. The one who can save your soul. It's not your parents. It's not your attendance at this church. Jeff and I can't save you. All the money that you have in your bank account means nothing. Only Christ and him alone, the great shepherd, the one who saves sinners. But just as Jesus looked out and he saw that great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, he also saw individuals. As he looked out at that throng of people, he saw every broken heart, every physical ailment, every emotional need, every spiritual problem. He saw it all. He saw that crippled child. He saw that abused wife. He saw that depressed father. He saw that rebellious teenager. And Jesus looked at that crowd and he saw the individual person there themselves. We have a God who knows all things. Our God sees everything that happens in this universe. And yet he knows the very hair on your head. He cares about you and he cares about the needs of your life. We're to go to him. We're to cast our burdens upon him. Regardless of the problem we face. He's compassions for those who are scattered, those who are, those who are sinning, those who are sick, those who are suffering, those who are seeking. Christ has compassion for them all. He saw them. He knew them. And yet he still had compassion and love for them. 
He didn't look at what was apparent on the surface. He was able to look at the heart and see their deepest need. He loved these people at the deepest level of his being. He wasn't impatient with them or he wasn't offended by their needs. He had compassion. This morning I ask us, how do we see people? People who are needy. People who are struggling. Do we see them as at times a nuisance? Sometimes we base our evaluation of a person on what we see with our eyes or hear with our ears. Brothers and sisters, we need to be like Christ. We need to have Christ-like compassion on those that we meet in this world. There are some in this room this morning. Some who have great problems. Some who are struggling. Some who have physical ailments. Some who are older. Perhaps we look at them at the surface and we see them. Perhaps we think, well, I'll let someone else talk to them. Let someone else draw alongside them. They're not really my cup of tea. The Bible tells us that we are to have compassion. We are to love as Christ loved. We're to look at them and see them as Christ does. And we're to encourage. We walk this pilgrim road together. We're members of this church. And as we finish 2023 and look at 2024, there are many unknowns on our horizon as a body. Are we going to have compassion with one another? Are we going to love one another just as Christ has loved us? At times are we going to be long-suffering with one another. It's not easy. We're sinful people. I'm sure if you're honest, at times I rub you up the wrong way. Maybe it's my accent you don't like. Not a lot I can do about it. But we're to come together as a body, as a united body, we're to pray for one another this morning. Make sure you grab your, or your little um, blue booklets on the way out to directory. I said in All Eight Sunday School that it is a wonderful tool to pray for one another. Each day there are families listed. Pray for these people. Encourage these people. When you come to the house of God... Raise your voice in song. As the prayers are saying, give your hearty amen. As the word is read, listen attentively. As it goes forth, listen with all that you've got. Why? So that when that benediction is finally given, and you turn around, you look with compassion 
You look at each other with the eyes of Christ. And you do not see the surface, but you see them for who they are. Part of a body that you belong to as well. This morning, if I was to get out a large knife and cut off my hand, it would hurt a lot. We're all together. And so I urge you, look with compassion. Because look what Christ does. He didn't say, you know what, you lot? You're really, really annoying me. Can you all just clear off? Sometimes that's what we say. Maybe not verbally, but in our minds and in our hearts. He didn't drive them away. He didn't say, can you all just leave me alone? These men are tired. We wanted some time for rest. No. And he began to teach them many things. Jesus, as it were here, gets out a very large tablecloth. And he grabs, as it were, the two corners and he flicks it out. And he begins to spread a table of a spiritual banquet. He gives them that feast of truth. He led those lost sheep, those sheep that he had looked upon with compassion. And he led them into those pastures of green. Of his perfect, soothing, filling words. He caused them at this point to lie down beside still waters of wonderful revelation. Christ that day gathered up those lost sheep as it were in his arms. And he pointed them to God. He told them the way of life and of truth and of salvation. They were lost sheep and he had compassion. He wasn't asking them, hey, do you need temporal things? He told them of the love of God. He told them of hope, of life, of peace and joy that were available to them through him. He reached out to those lost sheep and he gathered them into his bosom. And he did the same for you and me on the day when he saved us from our sins. Do you remember the day when that good shepherd found you wandering in those dark hills of sin? Do you remember when he, when he lifted your feet from that miry clay and as it were, he placed you on his shoulders and he carried you and he continues to carry you to that place of peace and of safety and of blessing? Do you remember? At the end of the year, we like to go backwards. And we like to think of all the things that have happened in the last year. Brothers and sisters, go back to the day when he saved your soul. Go back to the day when that good shepherd grabbed you and pulled you into his bosom. Because you're still there. He is the good shepherd. As we leave this calendar year, we should rejoice 
and what he has done for us. Trials, tick that box. Temptations, tick that one. Tribulations, shortcomings. And yet he is a faithful God. A God who sustains and helps us. Who is God? He is one who cares. He is one who sent forth his son, the good shepherd, the shepherd with compassion and the shepherd who's able to save his sheep. As you leave today and as you walk into 2024 tomorrow, as you open your eyes, Where will your joy be? Where will your hope be? Where will your your place of peace and safety and of blessing be, dear saint? It won't be found in anything else than in Christ and in Christ alone. As we conclude, I ask, are you weary in the work of the Lord this morning? Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Have the things of God at times become a drudgery to you? Are you spiritually tired and worn out? Then come to the Good Shepherd. Come to Christ. Cry unto Him. Put all your burdens and your petitions at His feet and trust Him. Trust him. He is the one who gives life and joy and peace and safety and blessings. He is the one who cares about your life. Man will fail you. Man is full of promises. Our promises, as Isaiah said, are like trash. Only the promises of God are yes and amen and what we can live our lives by. This morning, are you a lost sheep? As it were, are you out on those hills of sin away from God and alone? The good shepherd cares for you too. Come to him this morning. Come to him while there is time. Come and repent of your sins. And you too can have that peace and that assurance and that safety and that blessing. All of us today, as we leave this calendar year, need to remember the compassion of Christ, the Good Shepherd. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word this morning. We ask, O Lord, that you would give us that peace and that assurance that can only be found in Christ. Perhaps for some dear saints who are struggling on the way, O Lord, we pray that they would come to you and cast all their cares upon you. 
that they will leave their burdens with you and trust you in all things. Lord, in these days, help us indeed to trust and obey. Help us to believe that you indeed are the good shepherd of the sheep. Help us, O Lord, to be wise with our words and wise even with our prayers in these days that we would come with those compassionate eyes as you did. That we would draw alongside even those in our congregation. That we would love and care for one another just as you have for us. Lord, we ask that even this day, for some who are lost and without that good shepherd, that you would draw them onto yourself. Lord, we look out and so many do not know you as they should. We ask, O Lord, that you would give them a new heart, that you would save them from their sins, and that they too would know you as the good and compassionate shepherd. Lord, encourage our hearts, uplift even those who are unable to be with us and perhaps are watching on the live stream. We pray that they too would have comfort and peace this day. And even as we leave, O Lord, may we give you all the praise and all the glory. For we ask it in and through Christ's precious name. Amen. Please turn in your hymn books to hymn 309. Hymn 309, Jesus, where'er thy people meet, there they behold thy mercy seat. Where'er they seek thee, thou art found, and every place is hallowed ground. Let's stand and sing together hymn 309.
people of God, receive the Lord's blessing from his holy word. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Go in his mercy and grace.